Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochilillo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I'm your host, Gary Cochilillo, and today we have L.A. Marzoli here with us today. He's uh, written a bunch of books and movies and has a, like a TV show happening. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Gary. Nice to be here. I noticed you've got a nice little collection of guitars in the background there. Yeah, Very cool. that's, that's just some of them. Uh, I kind of figured that. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Uh, um, so I was looking at your, your, some of your stuff and, um, you know, and I was trying to find a common denominator or something that ties it all together. So I figured I would just start off and go for it and ask you, um, is there, what, what, is there anything that connects, um, uh, the serpent mound, the Paracas skulls and Nephilim? Absolutely. You can actually throw in UFOs. And UFOs. <laughs> and Bigfoot. I mean, that's that's what I, I've always been looking for this. And, you know, when I started studying this stuff over 50 years ago now, I turned 70 this year. Um, and so when I was like 16 to 20, I mean, I was voraciously um, picking up stuff like Carlos Castaneda's books. Um, you know, the Beatles were in vogue. So everything Eastern mysticism came in with them. And I was studying uh, Eastern mysticism and the fakirs and all that stuff. I mean, I was like up to my eyeballs in it. So everything seemed to be, at least at that point, there was no unified theory for everything. Now, over 50 years later, I think I have a unified theory. And it's, it's some people adhere to it. Um, a lot of people don't. And that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I'm entitled to mine and I'll stick with it. The bottom line is um, we, are at, we are in the midst of a cosmic war, which has been going on for millennia. We don't know the basis of the war, uh, what started it. We only know that it happened and the earth was completely destroyed to the point where, as we read in Genesis 1-1, uh, the earth was without form, just kind of floating there. Right. So in my opinion, it's like a, re a recreation of something that's you know millions of years old perhaps we don't know mm -hmm. and as i say at my at conferences to kind of shake people a little bit or try to shake them a little bit if we are intellectually honest we have no idea where we are or what this is and where we are in it if we're intellectually honest i mean for instance we have no idea we're talking right now right. so you're hearing language and you're processing that but you're not straining you're not going like, you know, if I was speaking Japanese and you didn't know Japanese, we wouldn't be communicating, but I'm not. I'm speaking English and you understand. So you listen to the words and they, they travel through the air. They hit your ear and your, and your brain. You're not straining. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, we can communicate. Well, how does that work <laughs> for starters? And we really don't know how it works. It's like, well, we just take all these things for granted. You're sitting there. I'm sitting here. I'm breathing, but I'm not going like, okay, I better take a breath now. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, I better take another one. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And, and my heart 
you know, is pumping away and I'm not thinking about it. And then what I ate a few hours ago is digesting in this incredible little three-dimensional biological bodysuit that I find myself in. And all this happens automatically. And that to me is totally mind boggling. It just blows me away. So with that in mind, um, if the United States is analogous to the universe, is planet Earth in Duluth, Alabama, Walla Walla, Dallas, New York, Los Angeles, we have no clue as to where we are and what this is, where we are in it. It just, and yet we go through this thing like, well, I'm going to save for my file for 401k and I'm going to retire in a few years. It's like, it just, mm -hmm. it just boggles me that uh, we go through it and we're, we're sort of anesthetized. I mean, look, I don't lay at bed at night going, I have no idea where we are, what this is. Now, when I was around 10 or 11, I had a huge, I, I would sit there in bed and, and, and go nuts thinking about if there's nothing, what does nothing look like? Where do we come from? What is this? What is consciousness? Where does consciousness reside in you, in me? And they don't know. They don't know where conscious, it's not this little thing in the brain because they've dissected way too many brains. And there's not a little guy going, hi, here I am. So how, how does all this interface? And no one knows. So getting back on track, there was this war um, in another dimension, which spilled out into ours. Um, it's ongoing. I think it's coming to a head. Um, and everything that we see, including elongated skulls, Bigfoot, uh, UFO encounters, the abduction phenomenon, the hybrid that are being created, uh, anything down from uh, the ancient megalithic structures that we see globally, these are the fingerprints, in my opinion, of the supernatural. And mm -hmm. Unless, if, if, as long as we, if you have a supernatural worldview, you can go from A to Z. If you don't, you can go maybe A through D, and then you just have a flat tire and you're parked on the side of the road, and you can never get there. Because the answers, in my opinion, like, look, let me just digress. When you go down the Sox Sabermont, Peru, I've been there, I think, three times now. Yeah, three times. And every time I go there, I just sit there with, with my jaw on the ground. And I tell the tour, if I'm with a tour or with people that I've never seen, I go, Touch the walls. Take your hand and touch the walls. You are touching the fingerprints of the supernatural because no one knows how these things were made. Now, the docents that are hired by the Peruvians, they're all trained. The Inca were master stone builders, and they built this using copper chisels. Not so fast, citizen. No, they didn't. And, and there's, there's, you know, you can take the andesite stone, which is really hard, mm -hmm. and take a copper chisel, and you have one shot, and then the, the chisel goes dull. And some of these stones, you know, these aren't little head-sized boulders. They're like 40, 50, 80 tons. They're huge. They're, they're just absolutely megalithic. Right. And it's, it's some of the most amazing stonework I've ever seen. So if the Inca didn't do it and they didn't do it, then who did? It's just like when we go to the Serpent Mound or the Circle Mound or the Octagon Mound or Cahokia or, the, or Moundsville down in your neck of the wood or um, uh, Poverty Point in Louisiana. I mean... You, you can pick your poison and we see you can pick your site. There's, there's advanced mathematics. There's knowledge of an 18 and a half year lunar cycle. There's alignments from these sites, to other alignments. And then we get Bigfoot who has a cone head, an elongated skull. We've got the Paracas people that come in 3,500 years with elongated skulls. And this is our new film, uh, DNA, the, the final results, mm -hmm. which talks about these very enigmatic, mysterious elongated skulls. And we don't think they're human. I mean, I'm, I'm coming on the record saying, you know, we don't have a nuclear DNA. We've never been able to get it. 
We have samples that are ready to be tested. We can't find a lab that will test them. Um, Paleo DNA will test them, but they don't have they don't have a lab equipment that will that can coax the nuclear DNA out. Um, there are other labs that that we used to go to that won't touch us with a ten foot pole because the results they didn't like the results. The results show that the Paracas skulls originated in the Middle East and in Eastern Europe. And they didn't like that because it mm -hmm. rewrites history. And people don't like to have history rewritten. Uh, and especially if it points to something that's outside their paradigm, if it points to an unknown or perhaps a supernatural intr intrusion, they can't go there because they're locked in the Darwinian prison or the, they're locked up in the, in the, in the intellectual Darwin, Darwinian prison. They, they can't get out of that because right. for them, if you're a Darwinist, there is no supernatural. Everything is empirical. It's all here. It's A through, you know, whatever. So those are some thoughts. And for me, as a frank supernaturalist, um, I always look for their natural explanation first. And when I can't find it, that's when I, I jump in with both feet. Okay. Um, so so, so you, you, you believe that these are supernatural, but, but how... How, how is it all connected? Like, was, is Bigfoot, the Paracas, the Nephilim, all the same thing? And, no, and did they come here from another dimension during that war? Um, the Paracas, the Paracas people, the elongated skulls, in my opinion, are Nephilim. They are the remnants of one of the Nephilim tribes. Now, I can't prove that conclusively, except for the fact that when you when you watch the film, episode six, you can see that we've got a multidisciplined team anthropologists, archaeologists, we've got a team of doctors, optometrists, chiropractors, they all look at these things. And, and the, 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 the trailer for this is just bang, 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 all these talking heads, it's got to be genetic, it's a different species. You, this is not the result of cranial deformation, where you wrap the child's head with, with and right. pressure on it. Mm -hmm. We're looking at something that's genetic. They all say the same thing. These are genetic anomalies in these skulls, and they seem to be very predominant in the certain um, Paracas-type people. Uh, they're not giants, but they show up about 3,500 years ago in the shores of Peru, and they don't look like anybody else that, that's ever been there, before or since. You know, I mean, it's just they're, they're, they're an anomaly. And they show up, they have a culture, they do all this stuff, and then they just vanish. They just totally disappear. We don't know why. Nobody knows why. And this whole thing just kind of goes away. So mainstream archaeologists say the Paracas skulls are you know, the result of cranial deformation. Our team showed conclusively, in, our, in my opinion, that they are not. So these are the progeny of the fallen watcher angels and the human women of Earth creating a hybrid being. The hybrids that we see that Dr. J David Jacob talks about that we've uh, talked about in our films are the progeny of so-called extraterrestrials and the women of earth. There's an ancient prophetic scripture that says that they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not cleave with them. What the heck does that mean? And there's a scripture that right after that, it talks about in the latter days, in other words, this whole, this prophecy is going to be sealed up. This book will be sealed until the end days. Then you'll be able to open it and understand it. I think we're in that window of time where we can now understand what was written thousands of years ago. And it's one of the prophecies, which is just so specific. In those days, in the latter days, man will run to and fro over the face of the earth and knowledge will increase. Well, if we go from the time 
when that book was written about about 3,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago. Uh, knowledge is basically flatlined like this. It's nothing happens for thousands of years. Gutenberg, right. printing press, blip, huge. The printing press changes everything. And then, of course, after that, the Industrial Revolution. And at the Industrial Revolution, that's when it starts to go up. Well, now we're in modernity where knowledge is exponential every six months. So we're in the window of time, in my opinion, where that ancient prophetic text is now relevant. So men will increase, men will run to and fro over the face of the earth, knowledge will increase. And then it says, they will mingle their seed with the seed of men, but they will not cleave with them. Who the heck is they? It's not men mingling right. with the seed of men, so it's got to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. So if you're, um, uh, if you're in the Eric von Donneken or Ancient Aliens, you would immediately go to ET, the extraterrestrial. If you're a supernaturalist like I am, you go, well, I get that, but what if this whole thing is a holographic universe? What if there is no, if there's life on no other planets, that this is it for whatever reason? And what if these are interdimensional entities? And that's what we think, I think they are, that right. they're interdimensional entities. If that being the case, uh, we're looking at hybrid entities that are, in other words, they are mixing their seed now, because we know from people who have been abducted, ovum is taken, sperm is taken. There's a mixture of genetic information. And now we know that, look, I haven't talked to a hybrid. I don't want to talk to a hybrid, but I know people that have had contact with them. And it's incredibly unnerving. So we actually did this in our film on UFOs that we released a while back where Al Matthews had contact with a hybrid and it was just incredibly unnerving. Um, and he ran out of the, out of the room where she was at mm -hmm. just, you know, just terrified, but we've had other people that have had contact with hybrid entities. So these are, in my opinion, modern day Nephilim. It's interesting how uh, Jesus gives us a kind of throws us a bone. He says, we'll be like the days of Noah when I return. Now that's, that's calling something out, you know, about 2000 years ago with pretty much you know, speci great specificity on his part. Guess what, folks? It'll be like the days of Noah when I return. So you got to go, well, what the heck differentiates the days of Noah? And it's the mingling of the seed. It's the mingling of the seed between these fallen entities. This is all part of the war and the men and women of earth, which is exactly what we're seeing now. So this is why it's all connected. This is the work, in my opinion, not of ET, but of interdimensional entities. You can call them watchers, whatever you want to call them. But that, that's who's doing it. And it's ongoing. And right. I think humanity is poised. And I'm actually creating another movie on UFOs again, because I know we're hopping around, but it's good because, you know, it gets people thinking. You know, we can talk about mounds and serpent mounds and all this, but I'm going to talk about the UFO disclosure and what that means to you and me, because it's huge. We are on the fifth rung, 5.2, the fifth rung of the disclosure ladder. Mm -hmm. uh, the first run being Commander David Fravor, 2017, on Tucker Carlson's show. And Tucker asked him, well, where do you think this tic-tac-shaped UFO came from? And he looks right at the camera and said, whatever this was, was not on this earth, was not of this earth. That's the first rung of the disclosure ladder. That's telling us, here's a commander, former commander of an F-18 pilot, Commander David Fravor, on Tucker Carlson with the classified film. So it's Tucker, Fravor, and the film, like this. It's a triptych. And... That film is declassified. And it also makes us wonder, hey, who, who calls up Tucker Carlson's producers and go, yeah, we're going to have this guy on your show. How about next Friday? Uh, well, who is this guy? Oh, you don't know him. His name is Commander David Fravor. Does he have a book? No. Does he have a DVD? No. Well, 
We don't want this guy. We don't know who he is. Oh, no, you will have him on your show next Friday. Yes, sir. Who's got the power to do that? It's a managed agenda. And so Fravor comes on. That's that's wrong, number one. A couple of weeks, a couple of months later, uh, Luis Elizondo was on. Right. And you know where I'm going with this. And Tucker yeah, says, I know. You know, what does the United States have in their possession um, material from a crash UFO? Elizondo looked right at the camera and says, yes, rung number two. Rung number three, they test the material. Once again, it's on Glenn Beck. And usually it's rolled out on, on Tucker. And then these other, you know, platforms have these people on. And so it's, it's, it's disseminated. So rung number three is, yeah, we tested the metal and we found isotopes in it, not found on this earth. Whoa, mind-boggling. Number, number four, and you would think the American people would be just going, what's going on here? It's flatlined. No one cares. You know it, and I know it. Nobody gives a flip. The, the, the late Dr. Roger Lear used to say that if a UFO landed on the 405 freeway out here in Los Angeles, people would be beeping their horns going, hey, I'm late for dinner. No one would care about the UFO, you know, you know, wave to it as they go by. Oh, isn't that nice, honey? Probably something from Disneyland. You know, mm-hmm. let's get me out of rush hour traffic. So we've got three rungs on with this closure ladder. The fourth rung is the Pentagon stating that, guess what? Unidentified aerial phenomena. Notice that they change it from UFO. They can't say that to un- unidentified aerial phenomena. Like that's going to fool someone like yourself or me. You know, quit the doublespeak, guys. You know, we all know what they are. And the Pentagon declares that they're real. Number five is when David Fra- uh, Commander David Fravor, once again on Tucker, goes, and why didn't he say it the first interview? But he didn't. He said, when I approached the craft, they jammed my radar. That's an act of war. That's an act of war. And then 5.2 coupled with that, because it happened within weeks of each other. Once again, the government said, the United States government has in its possession off-world vehicles. Okay, so if they've got in their possession mm-hmm. off-world vehicles, what world do they came from and who's making these things? And and nobody cares. It's just like, it just drives me bonkers how there's such an ambivalence towards the whole subject. Right. So we're on rung number five, rung number six, um, or at, at some point, they're going to show the footage from Roswell or Aurora or some other crash site. They're going to mm-hmm. show the footage. You know, Bob Lazar was right. We have in our possession the sports model and all sorts of other craft. We have in our possession. And so they, they basically came out and and, and uh, gave Lazar's testimony 100%, you know, credence. And I've always believed in Lazar. I've been a fan of his since I got the DVD in the 90s when he was uh-huh. talking Right. Um, the, the, the crafts that they have in, are in possession – uh, my understanding is that that they weren't not actually crash retrievals, but they were actually dug up by archaeologists. It, it might be either or, both and. I don't know. I've I've heard both um, stuff in Antarctica, stuff in other places, stuff under the ocean. I get that. I also think that Lazar, um, you know, when he saw the sports model, mm-hmm. uh, that was that was the quid pro quo, and there's a. There's a, it's been going around these, these so-called, you know, Majestic 12 documents and other documents for years, for 30 years. I, I saw this thing I don't know, 25 years ago. Someone sent it to me recently, but, you know, William Cooper talking about the deal that the United States government made under Eisenhower, the quid pro quo, we'll, we'll give you access to the population, give us the technology. So we've yeah. heard all this. 
And so when, when the United States government says we've got crashed UFOs, okay, but when they go, we've got off-world vehicles. So did they, are, are they remnants from archaeology, you know, dug up possibly, or are they the sports model that Lazar thinks? And that's why I think they're, they're not either, or I think it's both and. Right. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. One of the things that got me interested in this topic was uh, I used to work for Bell Labs, and one of the scientists there, um, I was outside of smoke. It's back where I still smoke cigarettes. I was young, and he, he was telling me that um, the, the technology for silicone chips and for fiber optics came from a UFO, yeah. he, and he told me he knew because he previously had worked for NASA and then was sent to Bell Labs to make it mainstream to, to, to get it out through the corporations. And then a couple of years later after that is when I actually saw the Bob Lazar thing. And I said, Holy shit, that guy was telling me the truth. And, and now we've got Philip Corso who's no longer with us, but basically a deathbed confession book. He knew he was going. And so he wrote the whole thing. He disseminated the, all the, a lot of these um, technology to Bell Lab, other places. And, um, you know, right? And yeah. and that's why we have night vision. And let me tell this, it's got to stop texting me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm on a show. Please don't text. There you go. Okay. Um, so how about the secret space program? Do you think the United States and other governments are working together with the secret space program? Say that one more time. Uh, do you think that the United States government and other governments are collaborating in a secret space program that we don't no know doubt. about? Absolutely no doubt in my mind. No doubt. That, that's, that's what they do. Absolutely. <laughs> And what, what do you think the reason is for it? Um, do you, like one of the stories that I've heard is that they're 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 creating all kinds of um, life forms with DNA, all kinds of hybrids and clones, and and, and you know mixing animals and humans and aliens and animals, and, and they're just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And they're able to do this by sending people through a stargate. So basically, like these labs are on another planet. And the people that are even working there don't even know they're on another planet. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that floating around. Um, we've had whistleblowers that have come on the record. It's actually actually in the show. And uh, um, talk about, you know, one guy in particular, um, he, he was, he was being groomed. He was being groomed and he was in the Navy and, you know, he scored like a hundred percent in the test that they take. Everybody takes the test. Right. Mm -hmm. So he scored like a hundred percent. And it was one of the few people ever to, to get all the answers correct. Right. And so all of a sudden he's visited by some higher ups and people are going, gee, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. And he starts to get pretty buddy buddy with one of these guys. This guy was like a, an admiral or whoever he was, you know, this guy's like, you know, he's, he's just, just enlisted. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, what's going on here. So what, and they would go out and get him pretty juiced up, you know, typical, typical service stuff, you know, hit the bars, get tanked and then bring them back. Well, one night 
he's with this guy and they get pretty juiced up. And the guy goes, I'm going to take you. I'm going to show you some stuff. This is all in the film. And our, our CGI guy, Wesley Sanziorgi, did a wonderful job through CGI to bring it to life. So they're, drive, they're driving out and way out in the desert someplace. And in the distance, he sees this, this light come on. And they go into this facility. Basically, the mountain opens up and they start driving down. And it's, it's a deep underground military base. And he's being shown, shown the ropes and he sees the greys. And the greys are working side by side with, um, with our personnel. And in the distance would, would be, we would call the tall whites. They're mm -hmm. on a balcony kind of overseeing the whole thing. And he was very distraught when he told me this. Um, you know, he was not a happy camper. And then we had, was corroborated by a second whistleblower who basically said that he was in the, he was in the service. His friend was in the service. They're sitting there watching a football game and his friend's son is now in the service. And he said, you know, my son came in and he was really distraught and I got to tell somebody cause I just can't sit with this. But my son, you know, took me into a room and said, dad, I don't know what to tell you, but I, I'm working with, I'm working with aliens. I'm working with these, these little gray guys with the big eyes and his son was emotionally distraught from it. So, you know, we've heard this not countless times, but enough times to know that something's going on. So, yeah. So there, the governments of the world know what's going on. And I think the globe is being herded, uh, definitely being herded and, and they're using COVID to do it. Uh, in the history of the world, we've never seen anything like this before. I mean, in the history of the world, I mean, all these lockdowns and we all wear masks and social distance and blah, 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 blah. And meanwhile, you know, we don't know. They say that there's a resurgency of, of the virus, but where are the stats? And, and then you get things like, well, you know, we got uh, 26,000 people that died from heart disease over the last month. They're calling those COVID-19. Well, you know, just like the CDC finally came out and admitted that there's been less than 10,000 COVID cases alone. People just dying from COVID, less than 10,000. So I, I know four people, not close friends, but in, in the circle that have died from COVID. So mm -hmm. it's real. I'm not saying it's not real, but what are we looking at? And I think the globe is being herded towards this new world order, one world government. That, that's where it's going. And um, we'll see what happens in the next... The next 60, 90 days are crucial. Absolutely crucial. Do you think they're going to slip something in the uh, vaccine to alter our DNA? It already is in there. We, we saw something. We, we did some research on that. Uh, the, 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 the vaccine has aborted fetal tissue in it. So that's, I find that incredibly abhorrent. And mm -hmm. there's also recombinant DNA in that. And we don't know. You know, recombinant DNA for your listeners, if you don't know, that means that they're taking different DNA, perhaps from multiple sources and recombining it. Re, you know, that's what it is. It's interesting. Recombining it to get the desired results. But we don't know what they're taking. We don't know what genes they're taking from this, that, and the other thing. We know that they're, they're using aborted human fetuses. Um, so why do they need to do that? So it's... Uh, you know, we're kind of up against it here 
it, it's getting super weird. Today, we're out in California trying to rebuild our house. And uh, we went to the restaurant and most everything is shut down, outdoor dining only. Um, it's, it's wacky. So we go in and the guy goes, can I have your name and phone number, please? I go, what? Why do you want that? And he goes, oh, we have to do this for contact tracing. So in other words, he just took my name and phone number, my personal information. And so if someone gets sick, they can go back that day and contact trace and then put everybody who was there in quarantine. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, we are at the point where, I mean, you got some senators like Rand Paul, uh, if, if this country gets locked down again, you can kiss America goodbye, in my opinion. If it gets locked down again, it'll, it'll never come back. It, it, it's coming back now, but if it gets locked down again, what Biden's calling the do, the dark winter, well, that's a real message of hope, uh, it, it will never come back again. And that's, it's by design. That's what, that's what they're trying to do. They've got to break the back of the American economy. They've got to break its back completely move it into uh, where, where people are now at almost at poverty levels. And then they bring in the new system, the great reset. And we're hearing that, you know, being, being bandied about in circles, the great reset. Oh, it's coming. All right. Guarantee it's coming. So there you go. Crazy stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, I was just interviewing somebody last night who was a fourth generation of Doc D. And she had told me a story about um, being in an underground base, then removing fetuses from her. And there was small gray aliens and tall white aliens and um, regular human military personnel all there at the same time. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, how many times do we have to hear it before we go, maybe something's up? Of course, it, it's, it's there. That's why, in my opinion, the six rung will be, they're going to have, you know, somebody on who's ex-military maybe or some, you know, ex-secretary of state or whatever. I mean, they're going to, they'll have somebody who's got a lot of great, you know, credentials, very credible, you know, straight, straight shooter type of guy or, or man or woman that will uh, inspire confidence and believability. And that person will either have film or pictures that will, you know, spill the beans. And then we'll see what happens. That's the, that's gotta be the next rung. There's no place left to go except to that, you know? And that, that's, that's why we're, we're on, that's why I mean these 60 to 90 days, they're gonna, they're gonna pull something out here fairly soon. We haven't had anything new since, um, you know, the Pentagon saying off-world vehicles in our possession and Commander David Faber talking about that they jammed his radar, which is an act of war. That's that's over a month ago now, mm -hmm. like six, eight weeks ago. So we're right on the cusp of something. Would not surprise me if uh, Black Friday, they roll out something, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, so so how, one of the things that, that, that I mean, I, I, I've talked to enough people about UFOs and abductees and... and you know, contact these and uh, just people who are able to communicate with them in general through telepathy or remote viewing or whatever, you know, to believe that, 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 that this stuff is real. Um, but my question always is, 
Um, one is if if we're in an environment where there's unlimited multiverses, why here? Why us? Well, we have something that they want. Uh, there's another ancient prophetic text which talks about uh, trading in the souls of men and women. Trading in the souls of men and women. And this might sound bizarre, but I believe that human beings have a soul. And I believe that after death, I don't believe in reincarnation, but I do believe that, you know, this is, we leave this shell and we, we move on. Uh, we don't come back over and over and over again. But they are interested in capturing as many people as they possibly can. They are soul leaders. They will suck the life out, out of a human being. And they do it slowly and deliberately. You know, I've talked to experiencers and, and people who have been abducted. And, you know, they know. I mean, I remember this one woman who was down to like 90 pounds. And she was communicating with them, you know, almost daily. And I got her out of it. You know, I said, I said, they will kill you. They will kill you. And she, she kept going, no, but they've got, they, they've told me they've got some, some very special work for me to do. They always, they always, you know, feed your ego. You're the chosen one. You've got something real special for us to do. We've, we've been looking at you and you're it. And that's, that's what sucks people in. So they never, they never test the spirit. They don't know, you know, look, I was at a UFO conference. Uh, George Norrie hosted it in January. It was the only conference that we went to all year because of the, the COVID stuff. Every other right. conference was canceled. And we're up there in Big Bear with these guys. And uh, there was about 100 people. It was, it was poorly attended. But nevertheless, it was a romp and it was fun. And, uh, you know, I had a good time. And I looked at the audience and basically said, Asked the question, how many of you think it's a good thing to abduct a five-year-old boy and implant him? How many? Please show, show me your hands. Not one hand went up. And I said, are you sure now? Are you sure? Not one hand has gone up in this room. So are you going to tell me it's a bad thing to abduct a five-year-old boy and implant him? And everybody sort of chuckled nervously. And then I said, you, you just told yourself exactly what this phenomenon is. You know, you don't need to go any further than that. Mm -hmm. That's it. Now, if you want to take your brain and set it by the front door and drink the Kool-Aid, that's fine. But everyone in that audience knew that it was not a good thing to abduct a five-year-old boy and implant them. That was not a good, especially against his parents' will. It was, it, you, don't, you don't do stuff like that. Every society, every culture on this planet, that's a no-no. You don't do that. So How we all... We How do you that. know, though, is against the parents? Well, I've always had a theory. Um, some of the first of people that I've met, um, um, abductees or contactees that I, I've met, you know, in person, uh, most of them were children of rich, powerful people. You know, they weren't like their, their, their parents weren't like the average Joe. So I've always kind of thought that maybe these people have made some kind of deal with the government or aliens, you know, for a position of status or money. And in return, they let the aliens or the government use their children. It's very possible. Very, very possible. And I also have heard the same type of thing. 
where people um, who, are, who are lifelong abductees, parents, father was military, active military, CIA, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff in intelligence community. So yeah, I mean, there's a connection. There's definitely a connection. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, what's that say about, about humans? <laughs> you know, if a human is willing to give up their own child for for wealth and power, you know. No, nothing new there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so once, who do you think is going to win this war? Do you think there's any hope for the human race or do you think it's just going to get wiped out which I'm going to guess this is probably wouldn't be. I mean, we know of one, but I think there was a time even before that one that we were wiped out. This would probably be like third time that we've been wiped out. Well, you've got you've got from my worldview, you have you have the first creation, which is wiped out, and that's when the dinosaurs were roaming around and everything else. That whole thing is wiped out, annihilated, and and that's Genesis one one. The earth is without form and void. Toho Avohu. And uh, there it is, just sitting there. And then the second wipeout is Noah's flood, mm -hmm. which is in every every culture on the planet talks about a worldwide global flood. So that wiped out the system. And the remnants of that, I would posit, are what we see at Sacsayhuaman and Ollantaytambo and some other places. They're just remnants of it. We, we don't know what these structures actually look like, especially Oyotintambo in Peru. It's just something very cataclysmic happened and tore this structure down. And the only parts that remain intact are the parts that are actually cut into the hill. So it's, it's got the earth to hold it. But it was something violent. A flood, you tell me. Um, if that flood was global, if the continents were all connected thousands of years ago, then that makes sense. So I think we're looking at a time which has been prophesied um, over you know, thousands of years. And we are looking at the, what I would call the advent of the beast system, who will be, the beast will be a hybrid. The antichrist will be a hybrid. He, he will boast of an alien, an alien parent on some level. And he, he is literally a Nephilim. He's a modern day Nephilim. Uh -huh. which goes back to the prophecy, it will be like the days of Noah when I return. Well, what differentiates the days of Noah is the Nephilim. That's what's on the earth. So the Antichrist will be Nephilim. So the hope is this, is that this guy who most of mm -hmm. us know is Jesus, but really don't understand, most of us don't understand his mission, what he did, why he did what he did, and it's deep. And what I call, what you would call the Bible, I call the guidebook to the supernatural, because it's, it's, Bible just means book. What that book really is, is a guidebook to the supernatural. When you open its pages, unless you've got the key to it, you won't make any sense out of it. You got to have the key that unlocks the entire book. And it's a guidebook to the supernatural. Mm -hmm. But there are, there are many, many prophecies within that book. Most of them are ignored by the masses, yet they're there in black and white. They're there in black and white. So we know that the earth is headed towards what is known as the time of Jacob's trouble. It's also called the seven-year tribulation. It's a time of period 
a, a window of time, seven years, where basically all hell breaks loose on the planet. It, it's, it's the worst time in human history. And, and we will see earthquakes and plagues and, and, and wars like you can't even imagine. And from this, the beast system will, will rise, this, this, this antichrist figure who will unite the world under him and basically declare himself to be God. That's where all this is going. And, and remember, this was written 2,000 years ago. And it says this, that in, during this time, you will not be able to buy, sell, or trade unless you have this mark. So the people that are living on the planet will either have this mark on their forehead or in the back of the hand, and you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade without that mark. Well, you know, you go back 200 years and you read that in the guidebook of a supernatural and you just would go, well, that's impossible. That'll never happen. It, it's got to be allegorical, but it's not allegorical. Now move forward 200 years to the present day and we find out that they're already putting these chips in people. It's not the mark, but they're prototypes of it. And that we're that, we're, we're, we're that close to going into a full-blown system like this where people will be chipped in order to buy, sell, or trade. I'm not making this up. That was written 2,000 years ago. And so when you read something like that, you have to, we have, it's sort of, we ask ourselves the question, well, what's the source of this material? Where is this coming from? <clears throat> Can I trust it? <clears throat> Why does this, it's so dire, it's, it's a warning, and yet it tells us with great specificity, this will happen in the, in the last days, in the latter days. And then the king comes back. It's just like the Lord of the Rings. It's, it's my favorite analogy. You know, Al, 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 Aragorn is, you know, Strider. No one knows who he is. They look down at him. They don't realize he's the king, but he's the king. Okay. And then at the end, we know who the king is. Well, nice. it's just like this. People look at Jesus and they go, oh, he was, you know, he was, it was a smart guy, you know, or, pretty cool. Or, or maybe the whole thing was made up. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, and yet there's all these prophecies thousands of years before he came, which pinpoint with, with declare with pinpoint accuracy, how he would come, where he would come, what his birthright would be, what would happen, that there'd be two messiahs, the suffering messiah, and then, then the king. So when you read Isaiah 53, I mean, I, I would challenge your listeners just to go there and you read Isaiah 53, which, by the way, is found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So we know that this isn't some construct that happened, you know, uh, hundreds of years later. And it calls out with great specificity what's going on at the crucifixion at Calvary. And when we read the events surrounding the crucifixion, something really weird was going on. You know, mm -hmm. the earth is covered with darkness for three hours. I mean, it's, it's beyond bizarre what's going on there. And then, of course, we've got what I call God's calling card. And I always bring this up for the skeptic because most people think, don't understand what the Shroud of Turin really is. The Shroud of Turin is, in my opinion, God's calling card. It's not a painting. There's not an ounce of paint on that thing other than, you know, smudges when we're artists would look at this and, and spill a little bit of paint. So this image was somehow translated onto the Shroud, which is a piece of cloth, which is 13 feet long and about three and a half feet wide. And on it is an image of a man in rigor mortis. He's been killed. All right. He's been crucified. He's been right. scourged unmercifully, except for the area around this heart. So as a forensic expert would look at this 
if you're creating a forgery, you'd have to know about scourging in Rome 2000 years ago, or whenever you were doing this, it, let's say it was a 15th century fraud. So you'd have to know about Roman scourging, that they scourged him with what was this Roman whip called the flagrum, which had three pieces of leather. And on that were pieces of metal or glass. So when you would whip the person, that glass would embed or that metal would embed in the skin and you'd rip the skin out. Well, he was flogged unmercifully on both sides of his body, except for the area right around his heart. And they knew that if they whipped him there, he would die. And the whole purpose is to get him to the cross so they can slowly torture him to death. And the shroud shows the nail marks, not in the palm, because you can't hold the weight, but through the wrist like mm -hmm. this. If I can show you, it's like this. So it's through the wrist. And the shroud is forensic evidence of the greatest event in all of history, the resurrection. I mean, that's why I call it God's calling card. I mean, even the, the most ardent skeptic will look at that, and they've tried to duplicate it, and they can't. And then, then what's really bizarre, this is it's just absolutely mind-boggling. So there are these guys that took the shroud, they took a picture of it, and they fed it into a machine which, which shows 3D imagery. Well, what the machine showed was that there was 3D imagery embedded in the shroud. That's impossible. In other words, all of a sudden, the image, and it freaked everybody out. The image just went whoop. There was 3D information. They could see the entire face and turn it the whole deal. I mean, it was, it was bizarre, just bizarre. So it also had, had not anymore, because when John Paul, the Pope was alive, he allowed this nutcase to go in and steam clean the shroud and vacuum it, thereby completely eliminating all the forensic evidence for future generations. Mm -hmm. But the Sturb team, which got there in 1978, um, they spent 120 hours on the shroud. They took all sorts of samples, pollen samples. Um, they were all over that thing. And the pollen samples, uh, in fact, some of, the, some of the pollen is only found in and around Jerusalem, nowhere else on the planet. So, I mean, when you start adding all this up, and I've been a student of the shroud for like 40 years, and I was drawn to that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, I call it God's calling card. It's the greatest event in history, the resurrection. And, you know, Yeshua, the, the Hebrew name, Jesus, the Greek name, is called out from that tomb, rises from the dead. And, you know, he's, he's preeminent in all things. He's the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of the dead. And here's the deal. I mean, we're getting into this whole thing. We don't have to go too much further. I'll, I'll wrap it up quickly. People don't understand that when he did that, he broke the DNA curse on the human beings. He took us out of the dragon's kingdom because the drag, this is what the war is about us. He took us out. He gave us a way to come out of the kingdom of the dragon and to come into his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And this is why circling way back when you go to places like the great circle mound or um, the octagon mound or America Stonehenge in Salem, uh, New Hampshire, and you see where the alignment is, it's always to Draco the dragon. It's always there. It's just mind-boggling. What's that about? Because it points it points to the veracity of this cosmic war which is going on. These are the fingerprints of a dragon all over the planet. We see them in places like Sacsayhuaman uh, in Peru, America Stonehenge in Salem, Stonehenge, England. Um, 
Menga, Spain, uh, Zambujaro in Portugal, Gilgal Raphaim in Israel, all places we've been and filmed that. And mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, you know, I've, all I've done is, is start to assemble the jigsaw puzzle. That's what I've done. That's, that's what we do in our films. So do you think there's a possibility that these Nephilim are actually were once human, like from Atlantis or Lumeria and had left the planet? evolved into something else and now or have kind of come back and are trying to restore themselves back to their original form that's an interesting uh, you know supposition uh, i would i would say that that the guidebook of a supernatural tells us exactly what's going on the sons of god the b'nai hala Elohim, the fallen angels the watcher angels saw the women of earth that they were beautiful and took wives plural of whomever they chose and went into them and had children by them these were the great men of renown the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God, the watcher angels, took human wives and had children by them. These were the great men of renown. So we can either believe that, that, that written testimony, right. and you know that's the reason why I hold on to it is because that prophecy goes from Genesis to the book of Revelation. There's this thread of prophecy which goes throughout all 66 books which is mind-boggling, you know, 66, 40, 40 authors. There's no collusion. They all lived at different times. And yet there's this, there's this thread which totally connects and stitches together the biblical prophetic thread, which is absolutely mind-boggling. There is one um, Dead Sea Scroll, I believe, that, that tells the story that uh, Jesus and Judas were actually twin brothers. And... Um, Judas felt bad for betraying Jesus and took his place on the cross. And then Jesus moved to France. Yeah, we, we, we've heard that. Um, you always find two things that happen with cults or um, uh, those who don't like what's written. They always do two things. They negate the divinity of Jesus. He really wasn't God. And they negate the work of the cross. Mm -hmm. always those two and you just said it they always do the same thing they never come up with anything new and i'm familiar with the you know merovingian uh, bloodline and all that he did have brothers and sisters there's no doubt about that um and that's very very intriguing extremely intriguing and makes me wonder but that's um i've never really written a book about it but i've i've, I've you know read uh, lynn pickett picnic mm -hmm. and others you know, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. I mean, I've, I've explored all those books because I read on both sides of the aisle and, and they get it. I mean, something's going on in, in France. There's no doubt that something happened there, but it's not, um, Mary Magdalene was not his wife. He never married. He couldn't, but he loved her. He loved her in a way as a man, I think, and this might sound some, to some people heretical. He's the first person he appears to after he's resurrected. Or she, she's the first person that yeah. he appears to. That is really telling. And she falls and, you know, uh, one, and clings to him. And you go, no, not now. Um, he loved her. And she loved him. She might have been really beautiful. But he never married. He can't. He, he could that, that wasn't his mission. But remember, he's fully God and fully man. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's mind-boggling. So as a man, I think he appreciated her beauty. But he knew, as, as God... That there's no way he can consummate this. So, so 
So I, I, I understand we got, we're getting close to the end and I want to ask I want to really want to ask you this question now. I know you're a really big believer on the strategy. You've made that really clear. However, there is a lot of evidence in um, that, that, that says that, that Jesus's body may be buried on Oak Island. That's my favorite program. I hope it's going to come on soon. I, I don't I have, ca- I don't, I don't have cable anymore to watch it, but, oh. but I'm thinking um, they, they had found some stuff on the castle off of New York. I forget who the guy was. Um, I forget the lady who wrote the book, but there's a whole document that basically says that Jesus' remains were buried on Oak Island. See, I, I, I would disagree respectfully. What I think is there, uh, the Knights Templar had basically 200 years in Jerusalem before the Muslims came back and pushed them out, all right? And in that 200 years, they conducted all sorts of, of, of archaeological digs. There's no doubt about that. But these were on the Temple Mount, okay? These were on the Temple Mount for the most part in, in and around Jerusalem. They were all over the place. Right. And that's where the Copper Scroll comes in and, and the wealth. And then you get into the whole deal when Philip of France kills all the Knights Templars. The Knights Templar fleet sails away and is never seen again. And then you get, um, you know, Rene Lachateau, and then you get um, uh, what's, what's the castle? Yeah, I think it's in Scotland, um, Nice Templar Castle. Right. But they went to Oak Island and they did bury something there. It's, it, in my opinion, it is Templar. I would say that, see, the Ark of the Covenant goes missing. And it's not, it's not an Akum. It's not an, it's not an Ethiopia. There's no I, way it's there. I think it's an Ethiopia. My sources, think, yeah, I, I my sources have told me it's in Ethiopia. Well, there is there is there is an ark that, that is there, but it's not the ark. There's two the arcs. Ark. There's an Egyptian it's ark because right. the first ark was Egyptian. Well, no, the the first ark again was built by Moses, and that was the one overlaid with gold with the cherubim. Mm-hmm. Then there was a, there was a wooden replica that was made, and the whole deal where you know Solomon. And the wives and the Queen of Sheba comes up. I mean, I, I studied that too. I get it. Something is there. There's no doubt about that. But getting getting to your point, I think what's what's in um, Oak Island is the Ark of the Covenant. That that's where I think it is. Mm. I think the Templars found it and and hid it. And uh, you know, it just drives me nuts because they're so close. I'm sure you saw this where they're at the end of the last season, they were talking about the only way we can do this is to build a wall and go down. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, you know, millions yeah, and millions of dollars. Yeah. It's like a three year project for them to do. Let's do it. Let's do it. Contribute <laughs> to that. Let's do it. Let's find out what's there. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, try to get cable again. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on, taking the time you, to Gary. talk Good to stuff. me today. Let's do it again. Absolutely. You're welcome back anytime. All right, man. Take care. God you bless too. You. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.